Coming to you from the land down under, this is the Inbound Outbound Podcast. Your number one source for actionable sales and marketing interviews for small to medium-sized businesses. If you're a business owner or salesperson in need of a good laugh and some great information, this is the podcast for you. And now your host, James Wright. Welcome back, closers, to episode two of Inbound Outbound, a sales and marketing podcast for the beleaguered business owner and saddened sales team. Our goal is to give you insights and tips you can use today and grow your revenue tomorrow and onwards to 2023. In episode one, I asked Anthony the tough questions about digital marketing. This week, the roles are reversed, not in the bedroom, but here on the pod. Anthony, what have you got for me? G'day, James. Well, today I thought we, we learned in the last episode, we learned about digital marketing and everything, sort of a brain dump from me. And it was thought, very spread out. Oh my God. And I thought today, you know what would benefit the listeners? Sales. We use it. I mean, sales, we use sales every day to sell ourselves, sell your resume, to make money. One of my favorite sayings is, Anthony, everyone is a salesperson. Now, not everyone agrees with that. But I would like to share with you why. Please. Well, okay, we're just going to kick off. Then let's kick (laughs) off. (laughs) I think everyone's a salesperson because as you kind of touched on before, at the very least, you have to sell yourself, even just to make friends, get a job, in any kind of social situation, you are effectively selling yourself. What I would like to do and offer just a general bit of advice is how people can, and I hope that we touch upon this on the pod a little bit down the track, but definitely a little bit of social sales and how that can, how you can use a few tips and tricks just to engage with I, the rest of the world. I could not agree with you more. And I've come structured today. So oh, look, God. and uh, maybe we can index this podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through some general questions for you because I really want to pick your brains and pull out that, just that hardcore sales guy. I want to <laughs> learn about salespeople. Yep. I want to learn about sales and businesses. I want to learn about setting me up for sales success and the technical component of it, like CRMs. I want to touch on that. And then closing, closing the sale, when to walk away, all those types of questions I'm going to hit you with. Okay. Are you ready to go? From the side of the consumer or the salesperson or how Uh, do you want to I want to know from the side of the sales guy, how, if I'm a salesperson, how can I improve? Okay. How can a business owner improve? How can I get more revenue? I mean, that's what I want to do is I want to drive okay. more money to businesses. Okay, fair enough. Do you run a CRM at the moment? I do. Do you? I run. I was actually shocked. I thought you were going to say no. I thought it was going to be on a spreadsheet. <laughs> no, yes. The answer is yes and no. I kind of run ClickUp that I kind of make into a CRM. Okay. So so you don't, basically. Um, uh, yeah, I'm skirting that line, aren't I? Yeah. Yeah. Salesforce for you then, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How did you get into sales? Because you are such a great salesperson. We've worked in many, many businesses. We have. And you are my quintessential quintessential salesperson. So okay. talk to me. How did I get into sales? I got into sales originally through necessity. What do I mean by that? So we came out here to Australia, Perth, Western Australia, on a 457. Now, you're from where? I'm from, <laughs> dare I say it, Anthony, I'm from Dover, the United Kingdom. And we came out here. So when we finished school and then I was, went to university like most people do, 
but a little different for me from a domestic student was I had to pay my fees up front. I didn't have to pay full international rates, which would have been incredibly prohibitive, but I did have to pay up front. So what that meant was no hex debts, no anything else. But what we could do is work full time and study full time. So that's what I did. And it's a struggle that a lot of people have here when they're not a citizen. And it's something I'm quite passionate about anyway in my career outside of this. But what I did was I basically worked as a casual market research person for a company called Cinovate at the time. Okay. A global market researcher. And I would call people up from 2.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Getting people to answer Hang their on. surveys. You were that annoying salesperson. I was that person. That's you where I cut my teeth. You were call center person. Yep. I was a call center person. And that's why I truly believe that you'll probably hear about it as we go through this. <laughs> I'm very phone centric. And that's probably a very good reason why is I got taught very early on to use the phone and engage with people via that medium. Okay. So we, I did that for a while. And then I actually moved to a different company selling their loyalty program in a hotel. It was a hotel-based group. <laughs> and it was so weird. So at the top of this hotel, there is a call center, right? There'd be normal rooms. You're like walking into a normal hotel room and boom, there's a call center. <laughs> so we're in there blaring music and literally pumping out. That was my very first, I would say, sales role. And I was I mean, absolutely woeful. I, I think I got sacked in about six months. But the reason behind that was was I was too young at that time. I was probably, I think off the top of my head, just eight, turned 18. So I didn't have enough life experience to be able to relate to people on their level. And that was a real problem. So connecting with a customer was a real issue for me in that role. So what I did get was six months of an apprenticeship, if you like. Okay. And that was in the very old sales techniques of basically being on the phone until someone hangs up and swears at you or making the sale. The annoying guy. Exactly yeah. <laughs> right. And that was one of the things I got taught. So we learned how to do it, which is now considered the wrong way. But I, I learned the old school way first. Okay. So then from there, no, this is going to tickle your pickle a little bit. So from there, I then moved into a role where I was selling raffle tickets for charities off the side of the street. No. Yes, $10 a pop. Oh, my God. And you have to sit there on your little booth and, you know, you're just going, making people, getting people's attention and, you know, trying to drum up a conversation from scratch. I was all right at that. Just didn't get paid. You were hardcore sales. (laughs) Literally, as hard as it gets, I've done it. From there, we then moved into retail trades. Yeah, then from there, it was retail trades and building materials products. And then a little bit of finance and then back into building material products, which is what I'm mostly known for nowadays. And then I've done a few turnarounds in my own business along the way. All right. Well, let's crack it hard then. Okay. Salespeople. Yes. What personality type makes the best salesperson in your opinion? And I'll say that. And the reason why it's so interesting to me is because if you ask me what kind of project manager is the best, what persona I would say you need to be a megalomaniac. You need to be a megalomaniac. I mean, you need to be a controlling freak. Okay. Where you want to control everything in your life. They make the best project managers. What makes the best salesperson? Different horses for different courses. (laughs) So I don't know whether you know this or not. There are different types of salespeople out there. There are account managers, there are inbound salespeople, and there are outbound salespeople. Now, Someone with more my personality type, which would say would lean a little bit towards the, the extroverted end of the spectrum, 
you'd be an outbound salesperson, which is basically smiling, dialing, going out to different businesses, pretty cold and going out seeing them, following up a lead to our house, some, whatever. Then you've got your inbound people that take what you would what you would do where you set up a load of lead campaigns and you get the leads coming in or people calling straight up asking about your product or service. And then you've got the inbound people and you want those people to be really good at asking questions and good listeners, especially nowadays. Sales is no longer be slick, be smart, be everything. It's, it's more about your listening skills, your questioning ability, being able to find the root cause of someone's problem and then being able to tailoring it to your product or service. So, I'm a business owner. Yep. I'm trying to pick up a person to make me money, a salesperson. Yep. What makes a good salesperson? What am I looking for? What's your salary range? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we've discussed this. That that's such an interesting question because, you know, you often hear, we'll give you 50000 60000 70000 and then OTE should be on target earning. It should Hate be a quarter of a million dollars because you should be a good salesperson. Yep. But really, in my mind, and tell me what you think, is it just they're trying to weed out the bad salespeople from the good salespeople? No, or I think it's tell just me, Tell me how that references that question. For me, it's it demonstrates the company has limited cash flow because they can't make sales, which could then mean into, and this is from personal experience as well, from being on the side of the street selling $10 a pop charity vouchers. They don't have a business model that works. They are starting to panic and they need someone that in there with expertise to sell stuff. And they're just like, we just need to sell. We just need to make a sale and everything's good, which it is. But if your business model is broken, your product isn't positioned appropriately, you're wrong. So my, in that scenario, in terms of salary, there should be enough salary where you're taking the fear out of someone's welfare. So they're not scared of putting food on the table the person's going to be able to live. Exactly. Yeah. So they can actually survive without having to do the panicky things that then impacts you. The During the interview, owner. do you have a family? Do you have a wife? Do you have children? Do you have a car loan? Do you have a house loan? Everyone's yeah. got those things. Most people have those things. And then you know really what's going to take the fear out of them. So you don't even need to do that. I, I just think, you know, a good average wage. So the national wage for Australia is about $75,000 or something like that okay. at the moment. I think off the top of my head, I'd pay that. But then I'd pay a very nice and healthy commission structure that can easily take you up to six figures if they meet your revenue targets. targets. So that's great leading to the next question. You're a boss of XYZ company. Okay. How would you build out your sales team? That's the length of the question. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay, so what, what are we doing? Name the company. Is it your company, for argument's sake? Yep, digital marketing. you do digital marketing. Okay, so you, in your space, very, very hard to get digital leads, therefore inbound, outbound stuff. So you're working hard in the background on the SEO. You'll get the odd phone call through, I would imagine, but 90% of it is probably you going out there and taking the business in the marketplace. So what you need is probably a rock-solid business development manager who can do anything after um, hours networking for you. Mm-hmm. And can also go out to businesses and present your company. So not afraid of that after hours work. I am old school in my thoughts in that you have to grind. Like yeah. you have to put in the hours. There's no substitute for making X amount of cold calls, X amount of presentations and X amount of closing opportunities. All right. And then what do you as a boss need from a salesperson? I'm not going to talk about KPIs just yet. Okay. But what do you need from your sales team? From my sales team, I see them as an instrument of feedback. 
Now, what do I mean by that? <laughs> okay, no so a salesperson in my mind goes out, gets feedback on your positioning of the product or service. So if they're not making sales, there's a problem. Now, where is the problem? Is it in the sales process, perhaps? Possibly. Is it the product and the price of the product? Maybe in terms of where it's positioned in the marketplace. Is it the promotion? Is it the place? It comes back down to the four P's of marketing. Product, price, promotion, place. And from there... <laughs> should be the name of this podcast. <laughs> it could be. It maybe should have been. Apparently you're doing redoing the logo. But that, was, for me, is where it comes to. Is their instruments of feedback. Now, if they're making sales, everything is working well for you. Yep. If they're not, my first instinct is to go and look at the sales activity, which is why I'm a KPI activity-based sales manager. And from there, if I'm looking at all the data and it's all flowing through and we're just not getting enough of something like, and typically if it's, if it's something along the four P's, you'll see it's just not enough going in. So what you're looking for in terms of ratios, one in 10 is not a bad place to start, right? In terms of lead coming into the business, setting up a presentation or a quotation session, whatever. And then from there, you're looking for about one in three, which I think is pretty it's, it's very achievable if all the other things are correct. Okay. So if those things, if that's not lining up, then I'll go, right, where, do, where does our pricing sit in the marketplace? And then it's up to you to know your product applies. Okay. And I can hear business owners already going, but James, we've got the best product in the marketplace. Awesome. You should be more expensive. And it, but we should still see that flow through our pipeline of activity. Might take a little bit longer because the pricing is a little bit higher, but you're making more money anyway because the margin hopefully is there. Okay. Interesting. So uh, let's stick with bosses. I'm okay. a boss. You're a boss. And when you're a boss, how do you train your sales team to get the best out of them? Are we what talking are from scratch or are we talking they've got experience? Give it to me holistically. Okay. So from scratch, say I'm really what, big what on- are the tips? Okay. So if you're going to hire from scratch and you're looking for that entry-level salesperson, I like to look at the following criteria. I like them to have a degree. Controversial. Okay. Mm. The reason why, before everyone starts screaming off, you're going, you don't need a degree. The reason why I like someone to have a degree is there's a base level of intelligence there. Because what I, I like to use our sales team as, as an instrument of feedback in the marketplace, right? So they've got to be smart enough to pick up market trends, analysis, those sorts of things. And the other reason why I like it is because they've had to go through X amount of years of study, and that can be a grind. It's not easy because you've got to make salary commitments, there's you know, lifestyle commitments they've got to make. And yet they've still progressed through this study. So we know that they've got a bit of grit, bit of determination about them. So from then from there, say we've got that criteria, we found that person, then we're looking for personality. And then that's really a feel thing. So you're, it's kind of a, you've got to try a few different people out, but you're look, looking for someone that can engage with you, has very personable, someone that you naturally like and you think the time's going by quickly. That's a good indication that that, that person was the right one for you. Now you get them into the business. Have a call list ready. We are going to do a hundred cold calls a day. You're going to sit with him. I'm going to sit with them. Train them one on one. So it's going to be you do one, I do one. I you do one, I do one. Okay, and they'll learn. And then what we're looking for then is then we're going to tailor them into their own style style. So if they try to copy me, it's not going to work. And because that's my style, so we're going to find your style. And then English voice just isn't going to work. It might not. (laughs) It might not in some scenarios. If I'm trying to sell wallabies 
gear, then it probably won't work for some people. <laughs> but no, so then you've got to find your style. And once you find your style, you're up and flying. And then it's learning a few more of the technicalities. But that's the basics. If they're experienced, then it's a different kettle of fish. What's their experience in their background? But say in account management, then we're just looking to see if we're on the same page gotcha. in terms of our values, what we're trying to achieve, and also how they go about doing their business. If we agree on those sorts of things, and I, it's probably a whole nother podcast of getting on the same page with someone else, but that's really sort of where I'm looking, looking for. And then we'll give them a test run and see how they go. Okay, some top tips in there. I remember reading something and I don't know, I'm sure I'm going to finish this podcast and figure out where it's from. There was another train of thought, exactly what you're saying about degrees. And it wasn't that it was the degree and even certificates, diplomas, I've kind of put them all in the same category. It's like, okay, you showed up for four years. You're dying. Just swallowed the wrong way. Have a little (laughs) sip of your colonial IPA. Cheers, everyone. Cold beverage after work. Delicious. Lovely. So it was, the whole thing was you've shown up for two to four years of your life. Yeah. You've shown up, you've done it. So that gives them the belief that you're going to show up for them and their business. Yep. And that's what gives them the affirmation. Exactly right. And then the next sort of steps you can do to build on that is align your business goals with the personal. So what I like to do is with all of my team, I run three sets of goals. Personal goals, so what are they actually trying to achieve? We all come to work for different reasons. What are you trying to achieve? It could be a car, could be a house, could be a boat, could be trying to set myself up for something else, whatever, right? Yeah, cool. And we are going to achieve these goals. Business goals, what is it within the business that you're trying to achieve? And then C, I know it's not a word before anyone starts hammering on about it. It's an aspirational goal. So what would you like to do in the future? Could be anything, lose weight, could be public speaking engagements, could be absolutely anything that they're wanting to do in the future. And we will go out of our way to go and help them do that. And that's how we align personal business. And the good thing is like, I don't want people to get hung up about degrees or anything like that, because it's more about if you don't have a degree or if you want a job, do what I've done for many jobs. I've just gone and I've got like some industry knowledge and a certificate, third party. I wanted to learn project management. So I did a few project management courses and that sets you on your way. So don't worry about that whatsoever, people. Again, it's just what's worked for me. I've I've hired both yeah. graduates, non-graduates. I've just found the graduates work better. There you go. All right, let's flip the lid. Let's go and move on to business. Okay. Business owners. What are some things that business owners get right about sales yeah. and what do they get wrong about sales? <laughs> <laughs> Open that book. Okay, right. What do we get? I, I think it's easy to start with the things that business owners get wrong because that's been a lot of my experience. So first things first, we've already, touched, pit? we've already touched on it. It's, it's the salary, yeah. right? So you're setting yourself up for unfavorable outcomes just on the salary base. I'm not going to go back over that because we've already touched on that. So again, what I like to see, decent salary, healthy comp structure, you'll be laughing. Know what you're worth, people. Know what you're worth. Exactly right. Pay peanuts, get monkeys. Know what you're bringing to the company. Yep. And then conversely, you know, if you have a sales guy, I'm looking for them to double their wage, 2.5, three times. What's, What's the industry ratio now? Look, I think doubling it's fair. Okay. If you can double your salary, exceptional. Yep. And then if you're... If there are these things called on-cost people, just remember, which is more than your salary. 
<laughs> exactly right. So they're, and they're business owner considerations. Yeah. I know I've been there. It's there a complete. It's a completely different world. But for salespeople, that's I think works really really well. Cool. The second thing is is business owners. For God's sake, you've hired a salesperson. Hopefully with a bit of marketing experience as well. Let them give you advice and do their thing. Don't tell them how to do it. Don't micromanage. Don't, please don't. Oh my it's God. one of the things that just drives me spare. You've bought the Ferrari, put some petrol in it, let it go. Do you know how many times I hear that? How many times people hire staff, but, they, happens to me. but they can't take them off the leash? It happens to me all the time. I met a guy today in the mining industry, and this guy, I think he's just a millionaire, and yeah. he's just – he had another couple of businesses in Queensland, moved to WA for a another business. And basically, he's just gone, I've just got a crew in. I've let them go with it. I trust them. And this was the, really the first time I ever heard that. Yep. They've gone with it and he's still a millionaire. Happy days. There you go. But conversely, yes. right, you've got to understand that if you're just – paying a salesperson and you're not going to put anything into marketing, which is something else business owners get really, really wrong, is is a long-term strategy. You've got to give it 12 to 24 months to let that strategy play out because the chances are they haven't networked in your industry before. They have no industry contacts. They're starting the process now. So ideally what I would suggest to a business owner is budget for two things, budget for the cost of the salesperson and then a healthy marketing budget to ensure success. Leads, yeah, lovely. There you go. There's okay. a couple of things. Okay. And maybe if you're in a business, you are in that position, maybe do regular check-ins. And if you're impressed, then let them go longer, the check-ins. You know, exactly so if you're right. worried, yep. if you're a business owner that's worried about that. I had weeklies, it went to monthlies, and it then went to go. don't think- talk to me unless it's unless you've got a problem, <laughs> which is fine. I love that. But I think that's healthy discourse. I don't see that as anxiousness. I just see that as the business owner wanting to know what's going on in their business. So now we're on to KPIs then. Okay. What are the KPIs that you would ask for? I am into activity-based KPIs because I like to think I know how to sell. So what I do is I base my activity based on that. So what we do, say I've never been in the industry before. I've worked across eight different industries. So I've got a fairly good handle of how a brand new industry starts to work and operate. So what you do is you target out who you think your potential customers are, and then you start calling and you keep a log of that in your CRM. And then you go, right, how many phone calls did it take me to get that appointment? Mm-hmm. Cool. And remember, you're supposed to be as a sales manager, the more experienced one. So it's going to take someone else maybe a little longer. Then, okay, cool. How many appointments did it take me to get to the next step of quoting maybe? How many quotes did it take for me to make a sale? Those are the KPIs. Right. And, I'm pretty bad as a as a boss. I don't have any time for anything. So training and those KPIs, I you know, I think as a salesperson you really need to spend the time, don't you, initially. You know you're going to get short-term pain, long-term gain. No, because really what you should do is you should, all you need to know as a salesperson is three things. The human brain can't take any more information on. So if you can learn, know three key USPs in the marketplace – I think you're off and, race, off and running. What is, you, what is a USP, mate? Let's Sorry. explain it to the people. <laughs> it's a unique selling proposition. Yes. Or point, depending yes. on who you talk to. Great marketing. Yeah, exactly right. Why are you better than your competition? Why are you better than your competition? Chances are- Why should not, people buy from you? You're not special in the marketplace, most likely. Yep. Other people do different things. And you've got slight variations. Those are your USPs. So you may not have the best product. Nope. So how do I- 
get around that? How do I – I don't have the – I know I'm number two with product. Yep. I have the second – Well, number two still makes great money. How do I sell? Number two still makes great money. Yep. So – and again, so say if you're it's when you get to sort of like number five and six is when you're in real trouble. But are we just talking money there? Is no, 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 no. Hour? Just in terms of like that, you know, if you're that far down the competition handle, then yeah, okay, things get start to get a little bit more interesting. But say you're only number two, you can just kill them with speed. Just be faster. Yeah, lovely. Easy as that. So I like that. All right, business. Still sticking on business. Okay. Do you do when you're in a business and you are in sales? Do you do customer personas? No. Or do you say, this is who I'm selling to? I, I'm having to think about it now <laughs> because I probably, I think I do it maybe subconsciously. So in my head, through the years that I've been doing this, I have seven personas in my head. But what you're really asking is not the personal personas, which is more sort of like social-based selling. It's more along the lines of your customer identity, which, okay. Do you know who you're selling to? Exactly right. So you do, and you do do that, right? You go and you make a big list when you first start going, who are my likely contacts? B2B, B2C. B2C, you're going, what age? Male, female, maybe both, maybe something a little bit different. We don't know. It could be a Smurf. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Age brackets, demographics, those sorts of things. You're going into your market research-based stuff. Then you're starting to proposition. Then you're starting to give some direction to your marketing team about how you're going to start attracting those people. B2Bs, it's a bit different. What industries are interested? What companies? What level in the company is going to be most interested? And then you sort of work from there. And then you're into like LinkedIn Sales Navigator or just a LinkedIn general search and you start building out your call lists. Question without notice LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Love it. (laughs) Worth it? I think so. I get a lot of value out of it personally. Okay. I get a little even okay so it, yeah and yeah you get that but like a lot of like even if you just send out a thousand linkedin messages you're gonna get someone that responds back and but please for the love of god tailor it no blanket stuff it has to be tailored did you know digital marketing now we're talking we're calling back to episode one now yeah did you know there are just bots are you bored of sales that, chat already no yeah <laughs> there are bots that hit people up and then if they get a response yeah then they get a person on board for linkedin sales navigator Anyways, no, I digress. Don't, like don't. I think there needs to be a bit more of a personality. You do. There. You do. All right. This is a big thing for me. Okay. Do we sell what we have or do we solve the customer's problem? Now, I'll say that again. Do I sell the product or do I solve the customer's problem well, as a both. salesperson? Hopefully both. But I am. I'm a solve the customer's problem kind of guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So, well, that's why you're looking for a salesperson, I guess. <laughs> but no, I think I think you can do both. And I think you should be doing both if you're doing it well. Yep. What you're doing, and it's what we call now consultation-based selling, is we're asking lots of questions. The customers come to us, hopefully, mm-hmm. and we're starting to ask questions. Like, you know, what have you come here for? What, what are you looking for? And then you're building, and you can write it down. Even just ask hey, can I just make some notes whilst you're talking? There's just so much information here. I just want to make sure I don't miss anything. The customers love that. They do. And then you go, by the way, Mr. Customer, you said you wanted this, 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 and this. Well, guess what? You've come to the right place and it's only this price. I'm and then you close pay. them based on that. And then they go, oh, I have to think about it. What do you need to think about? You already just told me. You need X, Y, Z. We can give it to you. Then you're objection handling. Then we're closing. I'm going to be super controversial then. Okay. 
Should the business owner give the salesperson the leads or should the salesperson be going out there and getting the leads? Better both. Better both. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's controversial. Depends what it is. I find services harder for digital marketing to latch onto and work for, personally. I think digital marketing works amazing if you've got a product. It's just turn the tap on watch it run services are a little bit trickier because they're quite nuanced and they're personal and you've got to go out there and go and get your leads as well controversial so, mate. i don't think it is i think it's i think that's just that's different horses for different courses like we we're talking about earlier okay all right i'm gonna move on then all right well go on then I'm gonna move on. <laughs> all right salesperson success is what i want to talk about now okay so how do you set up the sales role for success. What do you need? What should the business owner be giving you? Similar to the last question. Yep. What What does the salesperson need and what should the business owner be providing? I think the business owner needs to be providing expertise in the industry. Again, I keep coming back to it, but remuneration is the number one thing I see all the time on seek.com.au. It's Most always- salespeople are getting jack. Most salespeople are not doing very, very well. Yeah. That's just fact. And they wonder then why and dodgy things occur. And this to make you get more money. Exactly right. So pay them a little bit more, folks. But on from that, so what else do we need? So I think a healthy marketing budget. I think to get started short term is wonderful. You can pull, pull that back a little bit once they're up and established, but give them a helping hand. Give them some leads. Give them a bit of traction early on. Give them a bit of confidence as well. It's a new role, right? So that would be... First and foremost, that's exactly what I would do first. And then offer a bit of support because you're the business owner. You probably know your product better than anybody else on planet Earth. Theoretically. Theoretically. (laughs) But some business owners don't want to do that. And they're trying to be a business owner and just looking at the numbers and data and those sorts of things. They're making business decisions based on that. They don't want to get too personal. Some business owners are employing salespeople as a Hail Mary. True. And then, you know, how do you spot that? OTE. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that is literally my number one red flag. If I see that, you're not getting my, my application. But what I do think, and I hate this other term as well, if you're good enough, you should be able to make it. No, it means yeah. your product's crap. Yeah. I hear that a lot. And this is this is beginning to be a bit controversial podcast. It might be good or bad. I, I love I, it. I, I, love I have controversial opinions on this. Like I said, I'm a little okay. old school anyway. So, What's the difference between an Anthony being a marketer and a marketing qualified lead yep. and a sales qualified lead. Okay. So a marketing Go. a marketing qualified lead is quite simple. It's basically someone that is, has some kind of interest, quite vague interest in the product or service. A sales qualified lead is then when you've got that lead, you call them up, the phone works, the phone number works. Yep. Tick. They call up and they go, yes, I was interested in the product and service. You've now got a sales qualified lead. So marketing qualified lead, to keep it nice and simple, if, if they filled out the form for me, marketing qualified, yeah. if it rings... Marketing qualified is a what warm lead, and a sales qualified is a hot lead. Oh, now we're talking controversy. Mm. Controversy. So no, so a hot lead is something that comes in fresh, and you have dealt with it within thirty minutes. Wow, controversial. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. I would love to hear how many businesses out there that can turn around a lead in thirty minutes. Well, I think you've got to have a salesperson that's ready to go and on it. So. And also you've got is the right number. Is that a top number. tip? I think that's a top tip. That's yeah. a top tip. 
Tip from wow. Jazz. <laughs> uh, no, so here's, here's the thing. That lead comes in. I don't care what you're doing. You drop everything. You make that phone call and have that conversation. The reason is, is that person has taken the time to fill out the form. They're in that buying mentality. We're going to take advantage of that by being fast. We're also getting ahead of them and going from searching at other places and competitors. So we're trying to make our job easier for, easier for ourselves down the track. The argument is, is then what happens if they start coming in overnight? Nothing you can do. Nothing. Just call them first thing in the morning. I've had a heap of people saying, hey, uh, digital marketing's worked over the weekend. I've got 20 leads awesome. to follow up on Monday. Great. What's changed? Well, again, depending on how much you like your money, I would then go, well, why didn't you call them over the weekend? Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, business owners probably do, you know. Uh, and they should. Yeah. They, the faster you can do it, the better the results you will get. Yeah. From there then, okay, so over the weekend, okay, so 20 of those, I'm going to talk, I'm going to get in, like, have some really good conversations with 10 of those. Here we go. What you're saying, and uh, excuse me for interrupting, um, I was on there's a, roll, a heap of these aggregators out there, sales aggregators. So there's a sales, solar's a big one where there are these websites set up to aggregate you leads. Yeah. Those places, you are right, because if you call those pers- these people within a certain amount of time, they are warm leads, mm. these aggregators, because yep. usually these aggregators go to five-plus people. Businesses. Oh yes. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These I know leads? this. Yeah. So again, so when you are looking for leads and you're buying, say you're buying in leads, that's the yeah, scenario so you're that you're buying, talking yeah. about. Yeah. So when you're buying in leads, you need to be very careful in the contract. And this is a top tip: make sure that they're exclusive leads. They do work a lot of the time. They do work. They're a bit poorer. Mm. So one in ten they conversion rate is what you need to be looking at, rather than maybe a one in three for something for a good digital marketing company providing for you. Yeah. If you're a new business. Uh, sales business or, or you need these sales, yep. would you do it? Would oh, you go to these? I've parties? done it. Oh, I've done it. I did it for mortgage leads. And one in 10. How one in 20. One in 10. So one in 10, one in 20, something like that. Okay. Yep. So as long as you know those are the numbers and you can do but the maths. Can, but then you can start to build your business plan around it, right? Oh. As long as they're coming in cheap enough, yeah. which sometimes they don't, then you can start to build around it. That is a top tip because that might save you, you, you might factor your digital marketing budget around that. So for me- incredibly short-term strategy that. So what you're trying to do with that is you're just trying to get some money through the door, almost like a proof of concept. And then I really strongly recommend finding a digital marketer, a good one. Oh, without a doubt. Lead generation. That was not a plug. <laughs> that was not a plug. <laughs> you know it was. Uh, lead generation, that's what we're on to. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. What works for salespeople? Cold calls. I love a good cold call. Yeah, oh, you're a cold call fan. I'm a massive. Well, I mean, we've but we've tried to record this episode three times, so you know that's yeah, been the answer yeah, every yeah. single time. <laughs> cold calling is so interesting, and I find it fascinating because you are a dying breed. Yes. The next generation will no longer it. cold call. The next generation will send you a TikTok and say, "Hey, buy my services." But that's why you should do it. Because you're different. Because you're different. And as long as you're doing it well and informed and educated, you're not actually offending anybody. And if you're the only one in your marketplace doing it, you're going to get results. It's going to work even better for you. Do you know what I translate? I translate that to any sort of marketing, any sort of social media marketing. You're trying to attract an audience that you don't have, right? So you're trying to, if I have a pie chart, you're trying to slice out a piece of that pie. No. What you're trying to do is you're trying to build a relationship. In with people you don't imagine know, it, people you don't have. People probably don't do this anymore, but what 
imagine back in the day and you'd go and talk to people at bars for dating. Yep. Same thing. I got a story. Oh, no. Okay. So back <laughs> in the day, used to be a DJ and all my mates, you know, picking up ladies. Okay. Totally side, side here. And this is it. You just talk to the person next to you at the bar. Yep. If you got a nice girl next to you at the bar, just talk to her. She's going to be interested or she's not. Or man. Uh, whatever works. And that's uh, is that art lost? Is that communication totally art lost. now being lost? It's trying being, to segue back to sales. It is. It's being. Well, it's, that's still sales. And again, <laughs> selling yourself. We will do, we'll do social selling at some point. Had a bad day. What are you doing? What's Big going night? on? Been able, you know, being able to have a conversation hey. is key, right? So, and you're doing the same thing in cold call. So no longer. So what doesn't work anymore in cold calling is trying to get sales straight over the phone. Yeah, that doesn't work anymore. But what you can do is start to build the relationship. So. What I would, and everyone goes about the gatekeeper or the receptionist who's going to let me through, da, 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 which is your thing, right? Yes. You can. So, but again, this is where your education, your homework comes in. So you call up and you already know who you're trying to talk to and you go, oh, I'm just calling for John. Mm-hmm. No surname, no anything else. And she'll go, why? And then you'll go, oh, he's the man I've been talk, trying to talk to. We're close friends. We've got an appointment coming up in regards to whatever he's doing. She'll go, oh, okay, check back in with him. He'll go. Never what? heard of you. Never heard. I, I probably don't have a friend. <laughs> and then she'll go. I've got no mates. Yeah, but he won't want to offend you in case the other way around. So then you'll probably then go, look, he's not in a meeting at the moment. Would you mind calling back? Oh, one better. Would you mind if I called him on his work mobile? But I don't have his work mobile. I've only got his personal mobile. And Depends on how smart the receptionist is. Sometimes you get it. Yes. Sometimes you get it. And then next time you're just calling him directly. If not, next time, what you do is look, then sometimes they'll ask you to send through some information. Perfect. Great. Leave it at that because then you're going to call up in a couple of days' time and asking about what they thought about the information. Chances are they haven't read it, but it doesn't matter. That's the next step. If not, if you get nothing... What you do have is the receptionist's name and you can start to build a relationship with the receptionist. (laughs) So... Hi, Wendy. Yeah, and if you're calling Wendy once a week, yep, Wendy's going to build some trust, especially if you're not being. Ob- I shouldn't, but look, let obtuse. me give you his phone number. Yeah, yeah but put yeah, you through. Yeah, I, I'm, she might put you through for once, and that's happened plenty of times. So again, it's a numbers game. It's still a one percent thing, but you've yep. got to do it with a little bit more nous. I love it. I love it. Sneaky. It's not sneaky. Wendy is totally <laughs> sneaky. But if you're a sales guy, it could be worth tens of thousands of dollars. It's you. worth your salary. So now we're talking about nurturing these leads. Yes. How would you go about, so leads come in, how do you nurture that lead through to fruition? With a CRM. So this is the reason. So I hate it when you come into a business and they've all all got it done on a spreadsheet and then, no, pay some money, get a CRM, but shit data in, shit data out. So it is my religion I'll repeat it. It's my religion to keep this thing up to date. Wow. Yes. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about CRMs in a second. Okay. If I could go back, digital market companies are good at giving you, you know, and this is the LinkedIn sales navigator thing. You can go in and you can just mine people. You can mine phone numbers. Yep. If you're smart, by the way, here's a top tip for people online. If you're on LinkedIn, change it to your phone, you know, your business phone number. Don't put your mobile up because if I'm doing leads, you're exactly right. The gatekeeper will be 
the business phone number, the business receptionist. Yep. Whereas when I do leads, I always get the mobile phone number of that company because I'm trying to get through to that person. If you can direct. get it. If, that's, a very charmed life. that's a very charmed life, Anthony. <laughs> it can work. It, it does work. We and do. You've got to take the time and that's the reason why you can actually get other people to do that for you. Very cheaply done over five or something like that. All right, moving on. Okay. I don't, really, I don't really feel like we touched really on that question properly. Oh, what should we expand on? Okay, so following up. Yes. So I'm all about it. So lead Nurturing. comes in, we put it into the CRM. Yes. We've already booked, say we've already booked an appointment. We go out to the appointment. I'm religious about turning that quote around within 24 hours because, again, speed kills in the marketplace. Now – yeah, don't be lazy. Here's the gold dust. Is that from here, we're now tailoring the approach. You can basically automate your process to do all that bit. Now we're into where your salesperson's earning their salary. So we're then talking about having conversations and having that relationship and rapport with the customer. From there, we're picking up on when we should follow up. So what do I mean by that? Because that was quite convoluted. Mm-hmm. So I like to then follow up in a couple of days' time, say 48 hours. However, if the conversation has been dictated going, James, I'm going on a holiday next week, I you do not call. And I have to be really clear with that because I've got salespeople that are not clear with, <laughs> with that. So I'll be very clear with everybody that are not salespeople. Don't call them during the holiday, obviously. No, never. Never, ever, ever do it. But what you can do is call them on the Tuesday that they're back. So say they get home Friday, Saturday, Sunday to clean their kit up, do whatever they're doing. Monday, Monday you, you can call. Monday, they're going through 1,000 emails. Monday, they're going through 1,000 yeah. emails. I don't want to talk to you. Tuesday is your next opportunity, right? Or say that, you know what, James, I just wanted to get a quote. No drums at all. Would you mind if I kept you up to date with the industry information once a month? Nine times out of 10, people say yes. Sure. Sure. Because you're interested. You're still interested in your customer. And then you follow up once a month religiously without fail. And again, you tailor it as it goes on as the relationship moves forward. So say, okay, we've got a really hot one, 48 hours, right? Then they'll go, James, I'm shopping around the quote. Okay, no dramas at all. What do you do next is you then give them 24 hours. How'd you go? Because, and this is why we do, I'm religious about 24 hour turnaround time for your quote is because if they haven't turned, if another company has not turned your quote around in 24 hours, then you can highlight to your customer that they were subpar with their service. Yes. Great sellings. That's and you're starting Technique. to and you're starting to and you're starting to overcome these objections already. Going, oh yeah, no, you are right, and you're just going, look, when can I call you? And then at that point, you go, when? In fact, look. you're probably reinforcing them, aren't you? Exactly right, and you've just highlighted it again. Look, and she's going, look, let's give them a week to do it. Okay, no drums at all. Three days. You then call them back in three days' time. And go, how are you going with that quote? I know you said you can't call in, but I want your business. I'm really, really keen for it. I know our product is perfectly priced for you. I know you've got a need for it. What's the problem? And then you start. Then again, you'll get an objection. You handle it, and you go from there. That's how you follow up. How do you handle price objections? Love it. Yeah, it's my that's, favorite. I would think probably about ninety percent, especially you know from COVID and oh, a lot of people going on. How do you handle these price objections that are price based? A lot of people are not comfortable talking about money. So this is where you can kind of take advantage of a few things. The other thing is, is I would be very extremely well-educated in your marketplace about where you sit. Mm-hmm. Let's, in this particular scenario, say we're sat middle of the road, but you've got a really good product. Lean on it. Lean and say, look, tell them the benefits and the of benefits of the product. 
and really sort of flesh it out to them and go, you know, in double glazing land for argument's sake, you know, you've got, I, I know that it just comes straight to mind immediately <laughs> because this is where we had these price objections to straight off the bat yeah. is that this scenario was, was there a more expensive and they couldn't justify it when someone else was 10, 20 grand cheaper for a whole home, it's a whole car, right? But then you go, well, look, You've come to me originally, and this is where keeping notes and keeping your detail in CRM is really, really important. So you're going to look, you originally came to me saying noise was your problem. Do you really think a 40 mil versus a 60 mil, which is what we're offering you here today, are you sure that's going to do the problem for you? Yeah. And you just put that element of doubt in their mind. And then you go, oh, yeah, no, they've reassured me. I said, yeah, but are you going to be able to sleep at night when you hear that police siren go past? Because you will be able to hear it without knowing, going, we've got... X amount of five-star Google reviews all saying our installation is impeccable. And we've also got a 60 mil product that you know is the best in the marketplace. So you can sleep. And even if you do hear a sound, you can sleep at night knowing you've got the best out there. I love this because what we're talking about is the psychology of it, aren't we? Yep. So as a salesperson, like you said, there's doubt. Yep. But really, and where we're talking about tricks before, this Mm. is just – Sometimes the truths. This is having paid attention along the way. Yeah. So this is why, again, a CRM essential. So this is why you don't have to remember this. You just before you call, just have to have a quick read through and then you just relate as the call goes through. So it's actually not that clever. You've just been organized and disciplined the whole way through. This is why, and I'll take back you back to the early question. I don't sell the product. I solve the problem. That's what that's about for me. I, Am I, I don't see it that way. Now we're starting to sell the product. So, yeah, so, so you, but, but you're going I'm back to the problem. the problem. But you're going back to the original problem to sell your product. Oh, this podcast is so controversial. Love it. <laughs> Love it. But Love th- it. these are very real scenarios, and we you could pick yeah. another you could pick another one at random. Like you know, next next time we do this. Come I up with a few this. scenarios and I will work through them with you. And we'll do it. We'll even, we can even do some cold calls. You know what? I genuinely love this. I think we're solving some problems here today. Good. I hope so. All right. Technical. Okay. Technical. I love my tech. Okay. I, I can't sport, but I can tech. Well, I'm very untechnical. So. <laughs> How do you set up your sales funnel? Because I know you love sales funnels. I do, but it ironic. starts. I'm it being starts. Ironic, aren't I? You are being ironic. So it starts with the marketing. So it starts with identifying your, you know, where you sit in the marketplace, your USP, all the things that we've touched on before. Yep. We're then putting the leads into the bucket, and then we're starting to shake them through. And we've kind of already answered this question, to be honest, yep. throughout the whole podcast. But then you go right, okay, we've got uh, whatever way you're doing your marketing, you've got X amount of leads that are coming through into my sales funnel. Then we're doing our initial pitch. From the initial pitch, we're then into quotation, hopefully, and then from quotation, you're then into closing. Is that that's a sales funnel and it's most basic. The reason why we like a sales funnel for the business owners out there, salespeople hate talking about this because yep. it's the secret source and it's what, how we get measured and KPI'd, and that's how you get annoyed. But what we're really looking at is then going: Is there a problem along the process with the technique of the salesperson? So is the pitch wrong? Are we just coming up wrong on the pitch? Not you know, do we need to tweak that? Do we need to look at how we're mm. positioning the product? If not, then is it, are we, what's our quoting like? Is it our ability on site face to face? That's the problem. Are we quoting fast enough? And are we following up quick enough? Closing wise, what's the problem? Is it pricing? Is it whatever? Well, why are we losing the business at that point? 
I love it. I love it. And last week we talked about the salesperson and sometimes the salesperson just isn't right. Last week we talked about targeted radio ads and geo-targeted radio ads. And we said you can deliver a person so many leads and then if they're not converting, then obviously we need to have a, a talk to an honest conversation of that and, salesperson. Yeah, I, but again, it's it could be what, what's going on. Could be a could be a variety of different things. Yeah. So in the geo targeting example, where they may have walked out of the the showroom, how's the showroom positioned? Have yeah. they not positioned that well? Is it driving people out the door? I've seen that before. Harvey Norman's classic for that. Literally in a t little t junction, I can walk out left or right. And this is what it's about. If I if I'm looking for furniture and I walk into a Nick's Garley. Ikea. I start playing you Ikea ads and then you walk into an Ikea. We can tell you've, you know, you've gone there because of the targeted radio ads and then it's not good. Yep. You know, have, has the salesperson there, Ikea doesn't have salesperson. Are they they jumping on too quickly? Harvey Norman. Yep. Have they converted you? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, but then you could also be scared. You could even look at it even on a deeper level. It might not be not converting. It might just be scaring people off because you're jumping on them too much because you haven't paid them enough. Mm. Not an an easy, not an easy solve that. Difficult. Moving on. Mm. Landing pages. So I'm going to do a little bit of marketing intertwined here. Yeah, I can see this. Yeah, a couple of questions that I want to throw out. A bit of digital marketing. Landing pages from a sales perspective. Yes, love them personally. So if you've not got a lot of marketing budget and you you know the website's not working for you, recommend to the business owner a landing page. This is my – and let me work. It's cheap and it's cost-effective, but I'm going to jam-pack this thing full of conversion-based material – and we're going to convert off that. Send a heap of traffic to it, and then then you're into the real purity of whether or not it's a business problem or a sales based problem. Yep. Because if it's not convert, if you're not converting, it's you can find out through the sales funnel where it's stopping. Are we just not getting any traction at all? In which case, it comes back to the digital marketer, and you have that conversation with yeah. the digital marketer. If it's entering into the funnel, and then we need to look at where in the sales funnel is it falling down, and why is it falling down. All right. So landing pages, yes, from the sales perspective. And from a business owner's perspective, you can find out what is working for you and what is not working for you. So I would recommend that if, as a salesperson, I feel the website's trash. And yep, you need to put those analytics on, right? So those landing pages are pointless without the analytics. See. As a salesperson, you don't get those out. You're not always privy to those analytics. All you know is whether your phone is uh, ringing or not, whether you got leads yeah, or not. Terrible. It's that. It's that straightforward. And terrible. Blunt. Terrible. As a digital marketer, that just upsets me. <laughs> just upsets me because you guys you might are pretty be wasting though. your time. Okay, we'll move on. We'll on check out episode one if you want to hear about that. All right. This is an easy one for you. All right. And we've talked about this a lot, so I'm going to love this one. Website-based forms. Cool. Just don't overdo it. How much information? Three bits of information. Three bits. Tell me your three bits of information. I want your name. Name. Mobile number. Hang on. IT guy. Yep. Website guy. There's four things. Name. First name. Surname for your MailChimp. So for (laughs) for, direct marketing. For IT people, first name, surname. Two fields. Email. Three fields. Mobile number. Four fields. Four fields. No more than that. No. Those Maybe comments. Are, hang on. Those are the required fields, yeah? Yes. 
Okay, so those are your required fields, people. First name, surname, email, mobile. And if you want to cut down spam, you can actually do some masks. So what I do with all my websites is we do 4-3-3, which is the mobile phone format, Mm. because you'll get, you know, somebody spamming you with, I can do SEO and digital marketing Mm. for you. You get a lot of that. You also get a lot yes. of 0411111s or I love this email is like, I didn't want to fill out your form at hotmail.com. That's always a, fa- yeah. a family favorite. Stacks it. We just want to cut all that out. If they're not genuine about wanting to have that conversation. Yeah. So again, this is probably where it comes into like what we call like a lead magnet. We're exchanging their data and information for something of value, right? Mm-hmm. And then in return for that, we want to have a conversation with them. So we want to generate a lead, right? And the goal of, you know, the minimum information is just to get what we need the bare to be bones. able to give them a call. Because if you ask for too much, you're not going to get your numbers. Never. You're never going to be successful. Yeah. And if you're worried about quality, which is why a lot of people go, yes. well, that's why they have like seven or eight, 11 different form formats. You can do it in other ways. You really, really can. Like if, <sighs> if you're worried about quality, you're getting a lot of leads, a lot of quantity through and got a lot of quality look at where you're getting where your ad campaigns are running if they're running on facebook knock it off and focus on google yep because facebook can make you incredibly busy and it looks great from a digital marketer's perspective but i can tell you now i ain't closing a lot of that either yeah uh, depends on your business your demographic make sure digital marketers doing their work find um, out what works for you track it yes. in the crm and then really provide that two-way feedback back. Yeah. If they're generating leads for you, awesome. Well, then we're just into fine-tuning it and finding what works and what doesn't. What are the kind of conversations you enjoy getting into? What are the conversations you just don't want to So those touch? four fields are required fields. And I would always put a message field that's optional. Yeah. And you're going to get the odd crap. There's no doubt about that. 110%. There's no but avoiding it. One in 10, at though. At least they're going to... You know, the, the genuine people are going to submit an inquiry. Yeah, one in 10 is the industry average for acceptable spam. Yeah. I've expanded it to one more field for customers that are picky. Where did you why, hear about us? Why would they be picky though? Where did you, to see if their digital marketing's working. So if I want to prove to them, I'll add another field, Google, Facebook, you know, no, but optional. Like don't like it. Optional. I don't like it. Oh, come on. No, because we can track that differently. So I can yeah, pick up can. the phone and have that conversation and go, hey, we'd love to know how you heard, heard from us. There you go. Top tip. Do it. Top Three tip. salespeople, people. Four fields. Four fields with the option of the message. Lovely. All right, let's get down and dirty with CRMs. <laughs> Customer relationship management. You meant Salesforce. So <laughs> <laughs> CRMs is how are you going to – what database are you going to put these customs into to follow them up, to say, hey, Bill has a birthday on the 2nd of July. Send him an email. Yeah. Okay. So I like a CRM because it allows us to monitor the discipline of salespeople. Like I've already said, sales is not a hard game. It requires determination, confidence, and discipline. Mm-hmm. If you have those three things, you should be able to sell most things unless it's broken. What I don't like is is when you come to a business, either A, the CRM is just filled with S-H-I-T to the nth degree, and then you've got to spend all that time clearing that data out. It's worthless to you. And sometimes you get into businesses where they're like, where the salespeople haven't seen the value in the CRM because for them it feels like as if 
they have to enter it here, we have to enter it there, and then it feels like triple handling to them, it doesn't feel efficient. But I would argue it's more efficient down the track when you can then, as you've touched on, build on those touch points. You can then, if you've done a good conversation point, you can then start to go, okay, so I know his wife's date of birth, therefore dog's birthday, name's Charlie. dog's name's Charlie, Charlie a box of treats on, on Christmas time, you know, like you can, you can do all these things and you can send yourself reminders and then that becomes your action flow for, for the day. And do then businesses need yes. a CRM? Yes. 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 So if I'm in sales, you're telling Anything me- Anything that you're selling, you need I've got to invest in a CRM. Yes. Controversial? It's, no, it's not. Hashtag controversial again, it's, question. It's not. Which CRM, James? There's only one. I think there's only one in the marketplace last so time I checked. Controversial. Salesforce. And it's not expensive. Wow. It's not. I didn't expect this to and go it, that way. And it's base. Yes, he did. This is the third time we're recording it. <laughs> <laughs> there is. No, I want to tell people there's Freshdesk, which is pretty good. If you've got integrations, no. they will work with your developers. Don't do it. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you why I am HubSpot, so HubSpot blunt integrates on this. with everything. That's their thing. But if you go above the uh, standard package, you're paying a million dollars. Yeah, and yep. then you've got Microsoft Dynamics. Dynamics, which uh, look, is broken. I'm a Microsoft guy. Developed in Microsoft. Don't do it. Don't it's do it. It's just an it's, empty shell. It's Salesforce Lite. Yeah. That's what it is, and it's very clunky to use. And if you, when you want to get into those things like auto, some sort of automation, like sending out your EDMs, your individualized text messages, those sorts of things, can't do it for you. Do Salesforce I, can. Let me requalify that. If you've got a 50K to 100K project, Dynamics, you could probably nope. maybe build out Dynamics with 100K. No, because you'll end up falling down the, down the, down the track again. Yeah. And I'm working with a business at the moment that is Dynamics based and it's shocking. It's, it added, where I think Dynamics does what it does really, really well for me. And again, we can have a Microsoft rep on. I would love to have that conversation because it would be really, really cool. But for me, it is around, you know, it's bare basics. It just lets you put an account in, put contact in, lets you flesh all that out and then sends you a reminder when to call them and do your follow-ups. If that's what you need it for, fantastic. Go with your HubSpot, go with that. But the second you want to flesh anything else out, you're then going to need Salesforce because it then has all this extra stuff in it that you're going to want to need and learn about reporting, sales funneling, text messaging, you name it, it can do it. So I just, I think if you've got a long-term proposition of any kind, it has to start with Salesforce. And the argument used to be, well, Salesforce is so expensive, you can only purchase it as an enterprise thing. It's changed. You can buy it at its basic like component and then add into it later. Yawn. I oh, know it was. It's boring. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah. It's a boring chat. So I took out of that Salesforce. That's all you I, need to I take out from that. I don't know. I disagree with that. But that's anyways, okay. that's what, what it's about. we will flesh this out later. Yeah. yeah. All right. Digital marketing. If yes. I am on a minimum budget, yep. as a boss yep. and a business that's yep. listening to you right now, mm-hmm. where would you spend your money? Okay. So first things first, we start with SEO. Yep. Right. Search engine optimization. Very what does that good. mean? Search engine optimization. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, God knows. It's something it's so flashy. Yeah, it is. But basically, it's, it's around the content and the quality of your website. Technical SEO. <laughs> Let's see. Look, like I said, I don't need to know these things. But at that, and it's basically, Technical, well, that's what it is. It's, organic SEO, paid ads. Let's just break it down. All right. those. Okay. So easy. for me, organic SEO, you start, start with that because it's cheap and it's easy to get into. It's cheap. If you're doing it yourself, you can do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. And especially now we've got um, AIs that can write blogs for us. 
Wow. We yeah. can talk about that. <laughs> so today I introduced uh, James to chat GPT. Um, I am blown away. AI and artificial intelligence. Very much blown away. That will write you anything and everything. It's so Anthony, when are you doing the inbound in- 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 uh, website that we can actually I put have, all this blog stuff up on? I have used so many AIs in my life. But it's actually um, good content though. And it's I wouldn't recommend Jasper was like the nearest, closest one that would write you content. This thing here is just amazing. Out of curiosity, like Jasper, no Jasper. No, no. Why Look, not? any AI content and, and Google, they were trying to penalize websites that had AI written content, believe it or not. I do believe it, yeah. They can't now really, if you edit your content, use parenthesis, full stops, or you get little things wrong, nobody can figure out if it's written by AI. So there's a couple of tips right in there. Yeah, okay. But so in the last weeks, in the last seven days, they've come out and said, hey, we don't penalise AI content, which previously they said they were going to. Mm -hmm. They're just saying it has to be unique. That's their biggest thing, unique. It has to answer questions and be helpful. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that that would be – where but would, we digress. That's where I'd start because it's cost effective. Yeah. A, a business owner can do it themselves if they chose to. With a little yeah. bit of education through YouTube, you can do it. Yeah. Wouldn't recommend it, but you can. Chat. Secondly, PPC. Pay-per-click. Pay-per-click. Yeah. What do you expect out of pay-per-click? I love these terms and I, I'm... Traffic to the website. Teasing them out of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I did a little... I'm trying to get into your terminology a little bit as well because I do... I know there's a bit of a digital marketing following. Yeah. So for me, I would like... This is just website, traffic to the website. Paid um, ads. Paid ads. Yep. And what we're looking at then is does, does my website convert? Is my website actually useful? And yeah. then from there... If no, my website's not actually useful, spend the money, get your website being useful or landing page. Yes. Then from there, do I have any budget left over? Not really. Not really? Okay. Just, okay. Maybe top three. Give me your top three. Top three tips. Organic SEO, write a blog, start a blog. Start a blog. Secondly, PPC. Yep. Paid ads. Click, paid ads. Then social media, TikTok, LinkedIn. Okay. I know you're not going to like that, but that's true. If I had to put my digital marketing hat on, I would say technical SEO. So do a review of your website. Is it the best it can be for search engines? I like how you've taken the sales podcast and talking about digital digital marketing. marketing. I'm just not strong enough, apparently. Sales. Sales. I'm trying to channel it into sales. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. And then, yeah, then if you're a new business, paid advertising, get it into that funnel, get into CRM, make sure your salespeople are addressing it. Exactly right. All right. Very conscious this is going over an hour now. Okay, closing. I'm going to close this out, right? right. And you can edit this down later on to make it so punchy. Okay. It won't be edited. I like it raw. Following up. How do we follow up? Like, so I've got the lead. They're not too sure. Following up. Talk to me about following up. Okay, so so there's three principles to follow up that I should really have tattooed on me. Yes. Follow up, follow back, follow through. Follow up is basically what we've – talked about this whole podcast i'm not going to touch more on that cool. follow back you've lost it somewhere down the track mm. we're following back as to what the reasons were are you still in the marketplace it's a one percenter it does work you've got a all the salespeople out there i think this is one of your top tips make sure you know why you failed so what is the reason is it they didn't like you they didn't like the price they didn't like the product so you can address it exactly so Part of being a salesperson is providing, and if you're not making sales, your next best thing that you can do is provide great actionable feedback to upper management, the business owner. 
And that's one of the ways you can do it is why, why, why. Mm-hmm. Now, what you were also doing when we're following back is they might not have purchased anything. They might have said no to you and still haven't purchased anything. Therefore, they're still in the marketplace. And not buying from you or not buying at all? Could be, could be both, but we're, we're going to find out. In that case, if it's not from you, pass it internally. <laughs> pass it internally. Yeah, Give it yeah. to your friend. Maybe they don't. Refer a friend. Not everybody different gets horses along with everybody. Different courses. Do they? No. Um, yeah, I think that's a big Not many thing. people get on with me, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. And then follow through. Yes. Follow through. Follow through. So anything that we say we're going to do along the process, we make sure we do it. And that's a really key point of difference for A, a business, B, a salesperson. Because if we're following through on everything, and it might just be as simple as just sending through that brochure. When I say I'm going to send it through, then that's what we do. If it's say, I'm going to call you at this time, you call them exactly at that time. If you say it's nine o'clock, it's not 8.59, it's not 9.01, it's 9 a.m. I'm doing as I'm saying, doing, we're building trust. Okay. So we're at the end here, let's be retrospective. What is the best way to handle rejection? Have a thick skin. It's not about you. It's not about and salespeople, you've got to, don't you? Yeah, and, t- and talk about it. Have fun with it. Have fun with it as well. You know, if you've just been rejected on the phone, make a joke about it. it you know, it takes time just to realize, actually, it's nothing to do with me. It's to whoever. But since mental health is a real thing, this is a real thing in the industry, I want to make sure that, you know, we're ha- talking about it, we're having those conversations. It's nothing to do with you at all. person could be having a bad day, might not like your product, might not be inter- might truly not be interested whatever it is it's okay so a couple more questions if you indulge me do how do you handle rejection how do i hand is it a real objection is first it, and foremost is it personal no it's no, not personal it's never, no no it's never personal and there's and some people give, take it that way i tell you what, let's quickly workshop it what's an objection that you've had recently my objections is you know i think price Price is depending where you hear about price. Depends where you sit in the marketplace. If you're the most expensive, then you've got to justify add value, add value, add value. And you, what, hopefully, what we've done is we've added value along the process. We're faster. We're t- giving them more yeah. actionable information along the process. And so then, when we're closing, going, well, you've enjoyed all of this X, Y, Z. Now, imagine when you become a customer, right? So we're doing more and adding value to that price. If you're in the middle of the road, then it depends on what the product is. If Is it the same as everybody else's? Well, then you've got to be faster and your speed and customer service kills. If you're, say, got a better product, then lean on the better product. If you've got a better set of installers for tradesmen, lean on the installation guys and just heavily sell that. Find something else that's your USP at that point. If you're cheaper than the opposition, mm-hmm. I don't like being cheaper. But if we are cheaper, then use that leader of that. Go, yeah, you're going down the road. You're going to spend fifty dollars more. More. Yeah, and as you know, we've talked about this before. I've been cheaper, and I've been more expensive. You are I've cheap. I've been told I've been cheap, and then yep. and we lost something because recently we've been too cheap. I've never heard that before. Yeah, and, and then other people were too expensive. Different people are in the marketplace with different things, and if someone's. Most people are looking for that middle of the road price, to be honest. So again, it comes back to where you should, what you should do is A, keep a CRM. Market research. And do your market research. Yeah. Okay. Bit of credibility there. Yep. All right. Final question. All right. Last one. I love this one. The cult of business networking. I love this. I, you know, not because I like business networking. You do. You love it. I, no, I don't. <laughs> your, bi- your core I, of your business is business networking. This is a crack up. This is so... This is so interesting for people out there. 
if you're a business or you own your own business, nine times out of 10, you're going to go along to these business networking groups. Some are flat out. Don't do it. Some are, some are good, it. some are full on. You know, there's a lot of three-letter ones. Do you wear like a robe or oh something when you go into these things? No, I don't, but I should. Hey, I don't know. And yeah, yeah. and some are big, some, some are small, small groups. Find, um, find something that talk you're comfortable with. Find something that you're comfortable with. I think it's a long-term strategy. Are they good? No. Would you do it? No. They're about what? I would not do it I, anymore. I think in Perth, they're about 1800 bucks uh, I wouldn't do it. a year. I wouldn't do it anymore. That's a month's worth of marketing. Uh, and, uh, mate, and not only that, you can't expect. So I went into it expecting, okay, I'm going to spend $1,800. I need to make 1800 bucks. Preface it. I did the same thing. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Just one no. sale, all good. I didn't make a single sale that whole, <laughs> the whole time I was there. Probably because I was too. I was trying too hard. Yeah. And people can so, sense that. Year and, one, I was trying too hard. Yep. Year two, I was going to leave, and that's when I changed my mojo. And after that, people came to me. Yes, and it does work. The trust thing. It comes with the personality types. If you're not, if you're like me and impatient, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. Got to be patient. Add value to the group. You remember what the group is there and what it's all about for, and then add value to that. I think a top tip is. Get a group that is large enough that you get referrals, but not large enough that you're going to have a million different seats and they're going to say, okay, you know, if you're a lawyer, there's like- Corporate law, family law. If you're a- Insurance law, tax law. Sales, let's talk about sales. So if you're a- Property sales, property 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 management. They split that into two different Commercial property, three seats. Three, and then if, six grand then. If you own a business, you got to pay for three different seats. Six grand. Or you got to send three different people. No, stupid. No. you got to find some Look, sort of If you're starting ground. off, don't do it. Yeah. It's my honest advice. Get established, get a good reputation. Here we and go. Then it's value. Okay. I think if you're new to business and you're trying to grow your business, it may be a good opportunity. You're better off investing Depending that on your, your vertical. You're better at investing that in your website and a good, good yeah, marketing strategy. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Controversial. We'll leave it there, though, because yeah. we are well over. We're out of time. Everyone stopped listening because it's a shambles production. <laughs> I think it was pretty good. It was good. And we're going to let Mike it. take it away. Thanks for listening to the Inbound Outbound podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share with a friend and leave a rating and a review. We'll see you next time on the Inbound Outbound Podcast.